0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 323. Three. A third of the way to uh,
1: 989. <laughs> <no, laughs>
0: nine right? Sure. Yeah. Close.
2: Th- yeah. Or it could be a six in there somewhere, too. I don't think there's a six.
0: <laughs> right on no, 969. <laughs> yeah. 969, six, nine, nine, six, nine. Nine. that's right. Mm-hmm. Third of the way to 969. Where did the time go?
2: I know. It's amazing.
0: We're going to have a 969 party.
2: We are. <laughs> right before the apocalypse. <laughs> that's
0: really, that's <laughs> totally hot. Um, uh, a couple of quick
2: announcements. Quick announcements. Uh, one of the things, uh, the cart broke a couple of days ago, and the programmers were working on it. it as of right now, it is fixed, so um, you can check out and purchase the things that you were not able to purchase the lab for the last couple days so thanks for your patience on this i do want to say one thing is that uh you know we don't have a huge staff here actually we don't have any staff here but uh um sometimes we don't know if there's a problem unless you tell us (laughs) there's
0: a not a we don't have a big staff yeah (laughs) you mean me and you
2: (laughs) and aaron and aaron occasionally a couple hours a week
0: a couple hours a week and then just some Freelance tech guys (laughs) that we hire when there's a problem?
2: Yeah. So um, in the broadest sense of the term, (laughs) staff. (laughs) Okay. Um, We like big words when we're playing office. Uh Uh-huh.
0: You're uh, <laughs> at the Cfn yeah. uh, corporate headquarters. We have many offices all over the world. Yes, the, Our staff was a little short to this year, and <laughs> one
2: word we never use though benefits. Thought that word never. <laughs> uh, so we want to appreciate you guys like letting us know like if you can't order if there's a problem because that's a lot of times the only way we find out when PayPal does something that's dumb how you're part of something. the staff. Yeah, exactly. Then you know you're uh, you're an employee when you do that. So we appreciate it.
0: <laughs> an unpaid, benefitless employee.
2: Uh you're a beta tester.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> we like fancy
2: words. So uh so thanks and uh it is fixed now. We appreciate the help and the patience. So uh and also San Francisco DocFest, only a couple days away. Doc
0: Fest guys uh June 4th is the premiere and June 7th. So June 4th we have an announcement to make that that I believe is at 4:30. Um you can buy single event tickets. You don't have to buy Mm -hmm. a whole festival pass if you don't want to. If you want to, it's cool. It's a really awesome festival. Uh, but Mike Schmidt is coming up and he will be at the June 4th screening. So he will be part of the, uh, Q Mm -hmm. and a, um, and we're going to be at both screenings. Yes. Uh, many of you have already posted that you've bought tickets to it. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't yet, this is your chance. Uh, I know people like uh, Jason Christian, who's in the movie. This Mm -hmm. is your chance to see you on the (laughs) big screen, my friend, the Roxy theater. Um, and uh anybody else that's been listening to this show that lives or will be in northern california those dates we will be there yes we will see you um and um let's bring on our guest
1: let's do it
0: first time guest
2: is
1: it sure yes. it he's
0: feels never... like he's
2: been on before
1: it just i have that vibe about me
2: yeah it's <laughs> like oh we've had him on before no no, no we, we have yeah. not. Yeah.
0: a lot of new first time guests mm-hmm. um host of the or co-host i guess you'd say of the long shot podcast and also uh what are you the artistic director of the improv
1: yeah yeah and the host of gatekeepers podcast yeah, Gatekeeper, of- you guys have been guests on that yeah mm-hmm. and Jay- the long shot
0: and long shot yes ladies and gentlemen jamie flam
1: a pleasure to be here mm-hmm. gentlemen thank you for for having me and uh, so, so how's awesome.
2: a, how are the podcasts going like uh, how's Gatekeeper and just Long Shot, new, right? Yeah, the
1: Gatekeeper. I think we just launched our fourteenth or fifteenth episode. Mm-hmm. I say we. Well, i have a producer, but yeah. it's it's me interviewing people like you guys uh-huh. that mm-hmm. are uh, decision makers in the comedy world. I would say very well. Hey, who Great. else have
0: you had on the show? What other kind of conversations um, have you had?
1: I guess a uh, Todd Glass, um, my boss, Aaron, who books the entire chain right, of improvs, right. uh, Adam Eget, who books the comedy store. By the way, calling us decision makers is like saying staff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's... Give yourself more credit.
0: The two big decision makers at Comedy <laughs> Film Nerds. <laughs>
1: at uh Podfest. At Podfest, yes we are decision makers at LA. Podfest. you decided to have me here yeah we yes, did I, I think you're regretting it already but yeah well
0: yeah. that's we that's part of your, your podcast is bad decisions yeah. right? <laughs> yep yep <laughs> no but what like um so the todd glass one that must have been cool what was what did sort of todd talk about in terms that of that
1: was less gatekeeper more about uh a, a venue a mm-hmm. comedy venue and you know, something he's talked about for years and years that he's so passionate about the experience right. of the comedians and the yes. audience and it's something mm-hmm. that I am absolutely passionate about as well. And he's been a mentor to me in a lot of ways, um, in my five years at the improv. So we just talked about that and, you know, mm-hmm. some of the struggles and victories, you know, that I've had at the improv in the last few years to make it that place, everything it should be. And
2: it's really come a long way. It's there's been a real evolution. It's been amazing. It,
1: it's so great
0: to see t- in terms of like like when you took over and what you and Rita started doing in terms of changing the types of shows that we you were having just in the main room mm-hmm. and the kind of comics you were bringing there. And like we all all of us who've been in this business long enough know. I, I get the economics. You got a 240 seat showroom. You got to fill those seats. You got you got to sell you got to sell tickets. You got yeah. to make money. But What's the coolest way to do that? And uh, it's really cool. And then the lab, like tomorrow night, doing Variety Palooza, ten p.m. at the lab.
2: People don't realize too to get a comedy club vibe, you don't have to book shows. You have to curate the room. Yes, right. It's really yeah. what you do, and uh, and that's really what gets you your biggest return audience.
1: That's it's, the- and it's tough to do uh, because especially the Hollywood Improv, which is like the industry's hub, and it's like it's it's based on politics. And, and a really lot of something believe. in LA that's weird <laughs> <laughs> and so I mean even to this day like you know like um I, there's certain nights that I'll hang my hat on and like you know from front to end I, I love every comic that goes up and some nights that are just you know it's an industry favor for better or worse and you know it, it's, it's been a struggle because I want every night to be curated to a T but mm-hmm. um I've become somewhat zen about the fact that you know I have bosses and they have you know mandates and you know, essentially, I book a club that has, you know, 25 other clubs around the country. And so the politics that I'm playing to is, you know, for that agent at this agency or this manager who has a client that's in all of our road rooms and they got a young client that they also want to get up and I have to put them up to make them happy about that other client and all, this, all that right. craziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But that's, you know what, though? I, I think it's, it's, yes, those things are specific to show business and to the Hollywood improv, but that's sort of... That's just, I mean, if you ran a restaurant, you know what I mean. You'd have to play those games in terms of, well, this guy who distributes my food, he does the other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it life. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's, that's just part of it because I mean, we have to. I mean, that goes into like we can kind of identify, obviously, because we program. It's not nearly to the extent. I mean, you're doing fucking four shows a night or whatever which is insane But we do one 140 show event once a year but it is and that almost kills us and that almost, almost kills oh, us yeah so so but that, that there is all of those things involved obviously we need to sell tickets we want it to, to be profitable but we want it to be cool we want the fans to have a great experience but there is some of that like well you know this person whatever they have a following it might be different but they're going to
1: you know there's there's all of that that sort of I think it's so similar though what you guys do because there's so many podcasts. Yeah, and for 40 slots, yeah. that's really not that many. No, no, uh-uh. especially in LA where everyone has a podcast, uh-huh. including friends and and people that you love, and even you know performing with them for 20 years, and they got a great podcast. But you know, there's 150 people with podcasts that you want to get I, on there.
0: I think I think that's a good point because I I. I I think it's good that we're performers in this position because so often as performers, we've met people in these positions and they don't know what it's like to be a performer. They don't know what it's like to be told no. So I've had, com- I've had so many, like you say, comics I've known for 10, 15, 20 years go, hey man, I want my podcast in the festival. And I say, look, I've been on both sides of this. I've had comedy club owners tell me, Graham, you didn't sell enough tickets. I can't have you back. I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. I don't have a major sitcom. I don't have a half a million Twitter followers. So I know what it's like, and I have to tell them, look, man, I think you're great, but you had 12 people in a 150-seat room in a festival that has a really big budget. It's an expensive show it's to run. <laughs> it's a
2: high overhead. It's a
0: high overhead, and part of the reason it's a high overhead is we at each year we want it to be better than the last, and we want people, fl- people are spending mm-hmm. a lot of fucking money to come to Podfest. Yeah. They're flying in from out of town. Right. I mean, you, an airplane ticket and and to do an airplane ticket and stay at our hotel. Let's say you're talking about fifteen hundred bucks. Right.
2: And, and one of the things we're we're cognizant of is also that uh, even though you may have a small audience, but it's a cool show. We have spaces for those, but they're limited. You right. know, we have a small room. We can only fit so many small shows, right. and the rest. We have to try to fill, you know, more seats with bigger shows. So, you know, even if you do have a small show, it doesn't mean you'll never be in the festival. It just means there's a limited amount of places we can play.
0: There's big shows we've had that like they have a big following, but their following is so different demographically than the rest of the people that come to Podfest. And we've ha- we we've, you know we've done some of the in the past. We put some of those shows in, and they don't sell mm-hmm. because their fans went. Well, I don't know. Jimmy Pardo or Jackie Cation or any of these other people. So I'm not going to spend a hundred and some dollars to just see this show. That I'll just see them for 20 bucks when they do a single event later. Right, And that's the thing we got to figure out. Cause it's like, fuck.
2: You got to program in blocks it's, too. It, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You got to program in blocks. You got to like whose audience overlaps. And then the scheduling of it, like, well, I don't want these two podcasts that have very similar fan bases to go up against each other. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, we've sort of gotten, I think, better at that in yeah, terms of I learning, so. um, like, well, this thing that has more of a, it's a gaming, let's put this gaming podcast against a straight stand-up podcast. So how did that, like, let's talk about that just a little bit. Um,
2: before we get into X-Men. Before we get into
0: X-Men. <laughs> um, is, what have you learned now in these five years of running this? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, the sort of Zen approach, but especially, like, with regard to let's say the lab Mm -hmm. since since i've been fortunate to do this is my third variety palooza i've done two pop divas in that room and really dig it what have you learned in terms
1: of that and and how you've had to negotiate that or navigate that the lab is a little bit i mean that's more so my baby as far as Mm -hmm. nurturing it and having um you know a clean runway to do what i want and you know god knows there's politics creeping as well but um I mean it's only 6 months since it opened and um it's you know by and large most nights are packed and mm-hmm. I think uh it, and it's a lot less pressure you know it's it's right. you know 55 seats if you get 25 people in there it feels amazing right let alone 55 mm-hmm. and there's people standing and it feels like a packed amazing room but just for me I mean, in, in LA just to create an experience you can't get anywhere else you know to me the best nights are you know variety shows where you're mm-hmm. seeing a People you wouldn't normally see. I love you when I'm mean, even in the main room now too, like when you can see Dane Cook, followed by Derek Hughes, this amazing uh, magician, mm-hmm. um, or Scott Neary. like uh, Scott
0: Neary's great, yeah, who's well, done you, Bride, who's Well, that's the other thing too that I love about the lab is you and I have conversations about booking that my show specifically, and you've turned me on to people like Scott Neary, I didn't know about him, or the Brothers Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to see Liquid Feet. That has one of your long shot cohorts in it. Yeah, um, Amber. Amber, and that's been cool is I feel like, cause I was on the road. I'm not, I haven't been on the road as much in the last year or so, mainly because of earbuds, which is good, but I was on the road so much that I was sort of, I was rarely performing in LA and kind of the lab and the improv in general has helped me sort of see who's out there and meet people like, tiffany haddish who we've had on this show Mm -hmm. oh yeah and um and seeing like some younger performers or variety acts and go man they're really cool i remember sitting in the in the lab like a couple months ago with laurie kilmartin who um you know for those of you don't know her she writes for conan o'brien she's really solid comic she headlines she's she's been around for a long long time and so she and she's like a She's a beast, man. She's on stage trend. She works all day and then goes on stage. And we were sitting in the lab and she goes, I can't believe that there's an alternative room right next to the Hollywood improv right. main room. And I'm like, that's so cool. That's what it should be. Right. You know, it should be, you know, yeah, have your big stand-up headline shows that are packed in the main room. Great. And then let's try some different stuff. And I love too the seeing the different stuff is getting into the main room too. Like there's a show where they have like a jazz band I saw you had up there and they sort
1: of play between acts. I mean, I'll do that whenever possible. I mean, music, I love that as much as Mm -hmm. comedy. So whenever I can get like a house band, soul music, uh, jazz music, I'm going to do that. And I mean, you said it too. It's like, it's part of it's the community building. Right. And there's the nights that I curate everything in the lab. And then, you know, with, you know, two to three shows slots a night, Every night, you know, I have to have outside producers and promoters and that's where Variety Palooza and mm-hmm. lots of great shows. In. But, um, you know, when I, I like curating who's producing the shows because a lot of times they're introducing me to people. Like right. Bobcat Goldwaite mm-hmm. uh, does it every Tuesday night at 10 o'clock and he books people on his show that I, I don't know or I'm not familiar with and that's where I'm discovering people too. Right. Oh, that's great. And that's when the community aspect, when, you know, when you're working with the Brothers Brothers and... When you start seeing these worlds come together, that's the most rewarding part of running. Like podcasting.
0: Well, it's like like (laughs) podcasting. It is like I we've met so many. I'm sure you guys have the same. We've met had you know someone like I've seen comics out and about that I didn't know and was like, Aaron Foley. We had her on this show, and I because I saw her at the Hollywood and sort of knew her name. Mm -hmm. And then oh, be on my podcast. I'll be on yours. We had her in the festival Mm -hmm. last year, and I do love that that sense of community and i like that we're going to do again um you know a preview night on thursday before the festival and sort of start to build that
1: up last year it was very it was open. literally the first night that the lab was open yeah it was yeah. brand new
2: it was uh, ambitious yeah <laughs> <laughs> to put it all together but it's something where
1: you see the potential
0: of it you bringing all these, <clears throat> these communities together that's what Podfest is that's what the documentary is and i love that 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 um that the improv is becoming this hub now with the Podcast studio up top, and these happy hour shows that are just kind of record your podcast and hang out. I think it's 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 a it's a really really.
1: Well, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, a melting pot is you know like for the best of you know mainstream comedy and the best of alternative comedy, and now you know even with musicians and and variety acts. And all these like I love looking at the bar, which you know historically was like the cheers of comedy, but it's like you know mostly just you know mainstream comedy people, but you know the best nights when you see the best improvisers and mm-hmm. the best people from all these worlds together yeah hanging out it's cool. what it should be
2: all right let's get into <laughs> all it. all right? right talk about movies yeah let's go <laughs> x-men um who wants to start chris you can go okay first. i'm gonna go first uh x-men apocalypse now <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it this film like you're mad uh, i was you know what here's the thing if
0: I talked to you right after you said I'd it. be
2: angrier if Batman vs. Superman hadn't come out this summer. Really? Yeah. So I really felt X-Men Apocalypse was um, an okay film, but it was nowhere near Civil War, and it was nowhere near as bad as Batman vs. Superman. So, uh, but there was a lot of things wrong with this film, and one of them was that uh, there was two hours of recruiting, you know, everyone had to get the people on their teams. I'm like, it's a two and a half hour movie. Now let's let's hop to it. Let's get to it a little quicker. Uh, so you don't actually get to see the mutant on mutant fighting till very far into the film. Um, but the main problem with this, and I'm going to say it, uh, Brian Singer simply isn't as good a director as Matthew Vaughn. When you have X Men, um, when you have First Class. And the reason is, is because... He, so
0: let me ask you this. So you liked First Class better than Days of Future Past.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason with Matthew Vaughn is that he understands and explores more of the characters of these, um, uh, like more of the character of their character, <laughs> like right. really, he explores the, um, the the different facets. But mo- more interestingly, he explores the relationships between these characters, like you have... Not just the relationship between um, you know, Magneto and Professor X, but you also have the le- relationship between like Professor X and the you know, Roseburne CIA agent. Right. And this is the biggest problem with this film was that every emotional beat in this film was a reference to a previous film. So now all of a sudden you have, well, there's nothing new or interesting in this film. All these emotional beats have already happened, and you're showing me flashbacks of different films, of older films. Like, no. Create your own moments. You know, these characters are so rich and interesting and they have such um, different paths and storylines that now you're just kind of... Uh, and this is something Brian Singer has done in with the old X-Men movies, although I feel like he's um, trying to rein it back a little bit, is you just take, all right the most basic concept of each character. All right, Storm, she, you know, grew up poor and she can control the weather. That's all we're going to talk about for Storm. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so there there was like nothing to explore, nothing to latch onto, nothing to emotionally even invest you in these characters. And we've already seen Magneto and Professor X like be at odds and one trying to save the other. We've seen it in multiple movies already. We don't need to see it again and a, a poorer version of it. And especially well it doesn't really matter how many ma- people magneto kills Professor X is always going to try to bring him back and then uh, and everything's okay so there's there's definitely some issues here but the main thing the problem I had with this film is that it lacked anything emotionally to grab onto there was like a lot of characters but none of them got explored properly now there were some really cool scenes like Quicksilver um, and when he went to the mansion there's some really cool Scenes that also used effects in a different way, like when you have a big budget, giant movie like this, you're going to see effects. But how many times can we see a building explode? You know, we've seen it. How many times in one summer can we see a building explode? And this, the answer this summer may be too many. So, uh, with the Quicksilver sequence, they did some interesting things with his speed and slowing things down, and I thought that was really cool. I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, more of the movie was like this, to see some different things. So, I thought the, the movies of it wasn't horrible, it was a popcorn movie, but it really missed the mark and all these emotional beats that the only emotional feel that it had was references to older films.
0: Yeah, I felt like, to me, the trailer made it seem like it was going to be really bad. Yes, I thought it was gonna be like a Riddick movie or something like that.
2: With well, it was all explosions. Just, like, and just
0: dumb like yeah. the, the 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 bad guy in this, I thought it was just he was just gonna be some one-dimensional bad guy that just sort of I'm right. the bad guy, I want to yeah. blow everything up. The yeah. first
2: mutant who's, you know, thinks himself a
0: god. Right. Um, but I was actually surprised by it and it, it is it is decent and I think it's sort of some of the overall why i like the x-men movies but i'm never as involved with them as i am so with with like the other the avengers and the marvel movies and iron man stuff Mm -hmm. like that because they those movies i think go into more of what you're talking about the character like in going to civil war we saw tony stark's ego like crush him, like um, like become such a a problem, and 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 he didn't know what to do with it because his ego was the thing that made him so successful, so he won't give up the fact. And there's that scene we talked about with Scarlett Johansson. She's like, God damn it, can you not just for a second? Um, and that's the that's the thing that's sort of why these X Men movies are decent. Like you say, they're popcorn. They're not mm-hmm. awful. No, but but it
2: wasn't a disaster by no, any it's, means. It's, it was imagination. fun, but it's mm-hmm. you're
0: not as you're Not
2: as invested.
0: I don't remember as much from these films,
2: right? And and I was so invested in X Men First Class. I was I was watching that movie, thinking I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I know all these characters. I know their storylines, but I can't wait to see what's going to happen next in this film. Mm-hmm. I was so inventive, and just that that one scene with uh, Magneto and Kevin Bacon, where you know you have these villains talking to each other. Usually, it's you know the hero and the villain, and they have the speeches at the end. But to see villains talk to each other, and <laughs> Magneto goes. I agree with everything you just said, but you killed my mother. So, I mean, that tense, amazing scene was, like, like we haven't seen something like, like, I want to see more of those scenes, something that's done differently and interestingly. Like, there was one scene in this, I mean, Oscar Isaacs didn't have a lot to do except growl and right. uh, <laughs> and... Menacingly, uh, but there was one scene where there was a hint of like, oh, I'd like to see a little bit more of this. Where if you're a mutant that's all powerful and you have godlike powers, um, but and you, he basically was trapped under a pyramid for many, many years. Mm-hmm. You would feel bad about um, abandoning basically your quote children, your worshippers, and um, have like there was one speech where he said, Magneto, look, I wasn't there; I was asleep, but I'm here now. But Let's explore more of that. Like, uh, instead of, like, this giant, you know, villain that just wants to destroy the world or take it over or be a god, like, how would he really feel about his worshippers and the people and quote his flock and get into some more religious elements and symbology? I think, again, there's something that, like, it got explored for one second that could have been a little more interesting and it could have made the villain more interesting. Like, if he really feels like he's a god, but he also feels protective of these people that... You know they're mutants that he's trying to uh, basically get to worship him, but also imbue certain powers uh, to to become his ser- his servants.
0: Yeah, I mean, so Jamie, have you? I know you haven't seen this, but have you seen any of the other <laughs> X Men films? Like, do you? No, <laughs> not
1: nah, none of them. I am no not qualified movies. to be here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I ever will see an X Men movie. I'm glad that I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I almost saw it last night mm-hmm. in preparation for this. Well, you would
2: have been lost because it's like I'm like. Every 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 reference to another movie, we're like, oh, that looks interesting. Right. I'd rather see that movie. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it to me like it, it was decent. I I left there going, okay, this yeah. is all right. Mm, they didn't right. they didn't just abandon who these characters are from the comic no. books and just put in a bunch of other nonsense. that doesn't make sense. It,
2: it was a different um, flaw. It just everything got glanced over, right. Instead of. Being incorrect,
0: yeah, <laughs> it was twenty minutes too long. Yes, this movie is definitely twenty minutes too yeah, long. It was a little
1: safe to say for most movies now. Twenty minutes too uh, long uh, in the summer, oh, yeah, the summer
0: pretty pretty lines,
2: close. A lot of them. A lot of
1: them. <laughs> Would you call uh, this uh, a romp? Would you call it a, <laughs> a, a true <laughs> <laughs> Just to throw a couple buzzwords out there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a romp. It's an mm. X Men romp. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's it's a sort of. And also it it really it had a hard it had a hard time following. I mean, Civil War came out three weeks ago. Yes. And that movie I've seen twice.
2: This movie had a hard would have had a hard time following um like Deadpool, who was right. also a mutant. Right. Um, now I will say this one thing about Olivia <laughs> Munn. Uh
0: Well, they it, barely used her. Oh, she had three
2: lines. It was uh it was so entertaining to watch her. Basically they said, All right, now just pose in this cosplay right. outfit. And I feel kind of bad for her yeah. because um, she looked so good in that costume. Like a lot of times superhero costumes are very difficult to translate mm-hmm. onto uh, uh, for men and women and into uh, onto screen. And um, she was perfect in that costume. And I think from now on, anyone she dates or marries, she's going to have to hear, do you still have the Psylocke costume? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. that's what she's saying to, her, to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. you wear your Green Bay Packer outfit and I'll wear this and we'll... Yeah. But then she's on a full billboard in L.A. What did she have,
2: two lines? Maybe two?
0: And it's like, she just stood there the whole time, and Mm -hmm. I was like, finally, kind of the end, they used her a little bit. I was like...
2: I mean, just at least let me know why she carries an actual sword when she can make energy swords. At least explain that.
0: Well, the other thing, too, I felt (laughs) like (laughs) they sort of... so they've handled this. Obviously, this is this is a big thing in the X Men world. Is is the we don't like mutants. We don't you know they should be outlawed. And this has mm. been this has been covered a lot, which is which is cool. And it's also the thing in Civil War. Like yes, it's the question that that is being asked more in Super. Uh, hero comics and movies is how would this society today really react to these people? Right, would we all just go, yay, they're here to save us? No, people would lose their shit, mm-hmm. and so that's cool. And so Oscar Isaac, uh, who's the the bad guy, you know Johnny Apocalypse in this one, mm-hmm. um, is like has this fuck them, fuck these humans. Let's let's show them who's boss, which is an interesting take. Um, but it, again, they just glossed over, they didn't go like in civil war, it's really deep. You hear all of these compelling arguments on both sides of the issue. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's not let the government tell us what to do. Hey, let's play ball and not Mm -hmm. let everybody hate us. And, you know, depending on who, on what speech, I probably could have been swayed either way in that film where this one, I was sort of just like. All right. I mean, let's, you know, let's get to another. All right.
2: Get now, uh, recruit everyone you need. Now, yeah. let's get to the fight let's at the fight end. Let's mm-hmm. fight it out. Let's
0: fight it out. All right. So
2: it was um, it, like, like, like we said, look. It's kind of right in the middle. It's, mm-hmm. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but it was... There's, believe me, there's far worse X-Men movies you could watch.
1: How well, many X-Men movies are there at this point? Oh, man, that's a lot. There's probably...
2: Well, it's technically, I mean, there's probably six, but then you could really count like the Wolverine ones because they're X-Men movies. Some of them even have X-Men in the title, like X-Men, quote, Origins. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Deadpool's an X-Men movie.
0: Yeah, so. I don't know if I'd put... I wouldn't... I would count the Wolverines. I don't know if I would count Deadpool because... Deadpool feels like
2: they went to the Xavier's they went to the school I know I know (laughs) (laughs) and Colossus is in one of the uh, X-Men movies you're right
1: don't forget the TV show Extra (laughs) (laughs) gotta be in there somewhere right so, I don't know. Working it, with what when, I when got, you, guys. Yeah, I mean, when you
2: say it's such a large world, it's when you say X-Men and mutants, it's like it's a ton of characters. Well,
0: it's let's cool. go into this now. Since, since you said, yes, it's a fun <clears throat> popcorn movie, and I agree. So, Jamie, mm-hmm. you saw Nice Guys. Now, we talked about it on last yes. week's episode. But what was mm-hmm. your opinion of that?
1: I didn't like it. I didn't love it. There was fun parts. I right. felt like uh, I slept for, a, I think, a 25-minute chunk that was probably <laughs> integral...
2: To the plot. The exact amount that movies are too long. Yeah, that's yeah. What you slept yeah for. exactly.
1: So it kind <laughs> of worked that's out. That's usually where I sleep. It just, it definitely kept going. One of the thoughts I had was, um, you know, they, they went to these weird places comedically that I wasn't expecting. But I was like, this is tr- kind of trying to be comedy. Like, why don't they have two, you know, comedians in these, in these two main roles? Like, what would that look like if this was an actual comedy? Um, there are too many handsome and pretty people. Sometimes I get sucked out when it's just like I don't. You saw it, right? Yeah. The guy that comes and he's like the doctor and he's gonna shoot them and he's like he's too pretty, right? That makes sense. And I'm like, that's oh, just pretty Hollywood people being pretty. Also, the comedy stores in it and I'm an improv guy.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
2: can't that, see
1: a rifle club in a that's, movie. That's
0: that's, uh, that's interesting. That's a great point. That that
2: that's what Mitzi Shore was saying after Man in the Moon came out,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> Um, well, that's the, uh, I, that's a good point because I sort of had a similar thing in terms of, but I hadn't thought of that too, but I, the, it felt a little too glitzy movie versus an interesting film. That, that's an excellent point, man. I hadn't thought of that, which, what it would look like if it had two comics, what, what comics would you
1: cast in that film? I was thinking about that. I, I don't know. I think I'm looking at them right now.
0: <laughs> Raven, <Graham and> Chris, <laughs> We're the nice the guys. Nice guys. <laughs> so is Chris the muscle, the enforcer? Yeah. He's the guy that punches people. do
2: he throw a phone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, but i it's funny. I'm seeing a lot of people online talking about how they love nice guys and think it's amazing. And I they don't want to. really liked it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. People. I mean, there, there, you know, applause breaks throughout, and people are dying laughing. Obviously, being in the comedy world, I think we look through a different lens and. Mm-hmm. And there was it was, it was like and they're they're likable. I don't not like uh either of those main characters um or actors, but um I was like, yeah.
0: Right, it's like you didn't you didn't like, oh, I hate this. This is so stupid, but you weren't like, oh man, let's give it a standing. Oh, it felt very like, okay, that's cool. And I see why people really enjoyed it, but I I didn't, but man, that would be far more interesting as if you cast it. What I like seeing because the, the fear, and I'm sure someone listening right now might be going, oh, but if you cast two comics in it, it might get almost too wacky or too zany. That's the problem that I think is made by directors and studio heads when they hire comedians is they think, oh, we got to have these comics be way wacky over the top. What I find interesting, you take a comic and root them in reality and have them be more dramatic and get underneath the pain of the comedy, th- then the actual funny, you know they'll nail it on the funny scenes, but then when you see them, when you root stuff just in a little more reality, it, to me, and maybe this is just a personal preference of mine, it makes it, it, makes it stronger,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? It makes it more like a, an interesting film that has a lot of funny moments to it, but then also makes you think like that. I don't know.
2: Well, if it's grounded more, too, it, be, it also becomes more believable, Right, like you know, you see these characters, and you know, like, all right, well, now I care about them too because it's it's more grounded, and they're making me laugh, right. not just I'm waiting for the next joke.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and there's also, I think there was 20 minutes too long at the end of just this. Just keeps going with explosions, and
2: <laughs> this is X Men. This is yeah. um, the mashup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: You the mashup. Yeah.
0: X Men, nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. That movie also then, like, what are you trying? I think that was part of its problem is like. Is are you an action movie? Are you a comedy? Are you a detective film? Like what? What is this? Mm -hmm. What is this movie? And I think it tried to do a little too
1: much of too many of those things versus Mm -hmm. just pick one. You know, it kind of is an old school. uh, I mean, like you think of uh, Lethal Weapon Mm -hmm. and uh, Big Trouble in Little China. I guess there was like you know a comedic element to a good action movie. Yeah, so I guess it succeeded in that way.
0: Yeah, it did.
1: Mm. It was good. We liked it. All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in the lab.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and you also saw uh, a documentary, uh, sugar coated.
1: Oh yeah. What was that guys? Like? As it turns out, sugar's not so good for what? us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a Canadian documentary about uh, how bad sugar is and how it's like linked to heart disease and all the bad things that are happening in the world and even like war arguably yeah, (laughs) you know Um, so I saw that I I would recommend it that everyone should look at their diet and uh,
2: what was the biggest like revelation that you saw? like we all know you know cut down your sugar and stuff but what what did it do or what did it show that people may not
1: know about sugar it's a good question I mean I just the sheer volume that we're consuming like now versus 50 years ago okay and what's Mm -hmm. crazy like even yesterday I was at a barbecue with my family and you know you know it's ice cream and cookie time and like watching kids and my friend's kids the last few days like yeah just at a, such an early age just obsessed with and how the, our lives revolve around sugar and we really break it down it's like you know whether it's vacations and weekends and holidays and birthdays like everything it revolves around that cake and eating and you know letting go and especially celebrating. when you have kids it's true it's true like, yeah. you
2: know you're either uh going to a party or there's another party or there's a holiday or it's halloween it's you know it's so always a couple months there's always some event. excuse to have sugar yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but that's a part of our culture is right. we feel like the event <laughs> needs to have it right, right. where mm-hmm. it doesn't always uh i think i might have talked about this on the show before but i can't remember but i uh when I was in Hong Kong doing shows two years ago, this the comic Michael Dorscher put this whole boat thing together, this junk boat. And you take it like 40 minutes out of Hong Kong Harbor, you drop an anchor mm. and everyone's swimming. It was, it was great. And so they brought all this food. Now, the the demographic of the boat was some Americans, some people from UK, Europe, uh, obviously various Asian countries, um, all living in Hong Kong some comics but it has a lot of finance live in Hong Kong so he got mainly Thai food mm. mm-hmm. and you know he had beers and bottled water and some sodas or whatever and when it was all done and we're swimming and everything then i realized i had this i had this revelation i went there was no cookies mm. there was no the thing you would just have Because my family gets together in the summer, and we've done this where we've rented a big pontoon boat, and there's always-
2: There's always a dessert.
0: There's always cookies. You got to have cookies Mm -hmm. or chips, or Mm -hmm. it didn't have that. It had pad thai. It had rice. It had noodles. I mean, if you wanted to drink a Coke, you could, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, and I was like, nobody brought it. Nobody was going, hey, where's the- And I was like- Where's the brownies? "Mm, Where the brownies? Where the Mm -hmm. little- Yeah, the little- Costco
1: to tub with the little brownie <laughs> yeah. bites or
0: whatever. There was none of that. And it's because it's it's not in that culture mm. the way it is in ours. That's why they live longer. Right, yeah. And the fact is too, like you see what, you know.
2: I Diabetes, mean, we have a lot of, you know, obesity. We have problems in this country with diet.
0: Right, but it was also in then you saw that documentary, what was it, Fed Up?
2: Yeah, Fed Up was the was the other one. It's a very similar thing and it was just scary.
1: That's how... Because how
0: they've lobbied, right? Did they talk about right. this in Sugar Coated, how the sugar companies have
1: sort of lobbied? Oh, that was like a big part of it was, um, you know, the research and how much they've, you know, uh, the like PR campaigns mm. and how people won awards for these PR campaigns that to suppress any sort of knowledge of what's happening. and
2: Like, yeah, like the nutrition information. It's like, you know, the sugar, it's just, a, but it doesn't, there's no daily requirement what percentage it is because that's conveniently left off the label. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the biggest one for me there was that the labeling of sugar and how th- the suppression of how much is actually, um, in there <laughs> and, but also how it's in everything, even things that you don't realize mm-hmm. that like it's all in. all
1: processed foods.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like how much, how much is in everything. Like you really, even things like you're saying like cream cheese and these other like, like, you know, every once in a while, like, you know, we'll buy some peanuts for the office for our staff. <laughs> and uh and sometimes there's sugar in the peanuts.
0: I'm like, why is there sugar? In peanuts, yeah. in dry roasted yeah. peanuts have Just sugar in them. Yeah. It's like you have to get raw unsalted peanuts to mm-hmm. not have any bullshit in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So um so yeah, so it's another um documentary about food to get you angry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's called uh uh sugar Coated. Now, d- was there any perspective of like since it was you know, made in Canada. Was it like kind of like a uh, um, this is how like America like is. Like, a, like a view of like oh, yeah, well, there's Americans, This is why they're so fat and overweight. And whereas Canada? We have socialized medicine. Everything's great here.
1: No, I think they were declining themselves out. Oh, much. really? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, because mm-hmm.
0: they have a prevalent. It's it's
1: yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a third. Their um, you know, health insurance rates are insane, just like us. Like they're saying, it's like you know, billions and billions and billions, and it's rising every year. It's crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. The other interesting thing was like just the whole like you know low fat craze of the eighties. That's all like PR, you know, because of it, um, in reaction to the sugar thing. Like they created that. Like you know, it's all about fat. That's what creates all these diseases. Like right. How all these things that wow we see on labels and, and and low calorie and low fat. That's like in reaction to that. Like to drive people away. It's not the sugar. It's the problem. It's the fat. And like how these big things just like they're you know come from uh, PR campaigns for these huge corporations oh god and corporations as it turns out they can be a lot of trouble yeah <laughs> yeah it's like they
2: do whatever they want it's wow crazy. a documentary
0: that said that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's,
1: that's, that's groundbreaking mm-hmm. are you glad it's, getting distribution yeah <laughs> Jamie came on and just changed the way we look at film <laughs> <laughs> after 323
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> Now I saw um the Angry Birds movie with the family and wow. I have to say uh this animated film was so bad <laughs> that I'm surprised it didn't have the word Madagascar in front of it. Oh wow. <laughs> um it was so bad. And it was it was one of those movies too. It's like, well, it just just make it okay. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be great. It's you know, it's a movie based on an app. No one right. is expecting it to be a Pixar movie. Uh, but make it passable and it was not no. it was it was not a passable animated film at all and
0: it's weird because the video game has such great characters yeah and, and development and yeah arcs now i'm wondering
2: too like is this the first movie based on an app like it's not the first obviously video game movie but it's like is this one where literally it's like basing on a movie on like solitaire where literally it's, there's nothing. A solitaire there. yeah. app. Yeah. Like there's a solitaire movie. Like Tetris. that kind of, yeah. Like, uh huh. Um, so I'm wondering too if this is like the first one. I'm sure it won't be the last, but uh, it, it, it did so many things wrong. And I'm thinking this is the kind of movie too. And sure enough, I checked IMDb where all the writers and directors have one credit, and it's the Angry Birds movie. I think there was one writer out of the list of writers that had some other credits, and I'm sure he uh, wasn't able to fix anything. (laughs) Um, There's all this weird setup. All the jokes are lazy. Even the character stuff, it's like you could make this funny. You know, there are, ang- there are birds that are angry <laughs> right, and they could do, you know, inappropriate, nasty things. And it was just, but it was, the whole setup was like, all the birds are nice and happy and then there's just one angry bird and he has mm. to go to anger management classes and then the pigs come and steal the eggs and they have to get them back. And But everything takes two, like this really felt like an X-Men movie. It felt like two and a half hours and it wasn't. It was like 90 minutes. It was, uh, uh, but it... it <laughs> what do the kids think? You know, the kids thought it was okay, I will say, because it was bright and, you know, there was some, you know, fun stuff for the kids, like towards the end, just to see, you know, the birds get into the um, slingshot and blow up the the pigs' houses, you know, if they played the app, that's, <laughs> that, that's entertaining, you know, but it was and it's got like a lot of famous people in it too you know this was a paycheck movie for them right like, i gotta say this dumb one
0: jason all right. Sudeikis, josh yeah. gadd danny yeah. mcbride like i feel yeah. like they yeah. just went all right yeah. let's just bring them in
2: rack up the money truck pay the and then we won't worry about anything else About the movie will sell itself and it, it probably has i mean even right. though it's like a couple of years too late i mean this movie should have come out you know a couple of years ago but I don't even know how well it's doing. Um, well,
0: according to IMDb, it had a $73 million budget. It did $38 million the opening weekend. But as of May 27th, it's done $66 million, So it'll make its money
2: it'll back. It'll make its money back. But it's not going to be some crazy runaway hit. Like, we look at, like, the care that went into a movie like Zootopia, where it's not based on a video game right. or an app, but everything is completely um, original and they're just you can't even put them in the same category i mean you know zootopia is good and then you've got the pixar movies which are even better you know and it really feels like well just you're not even trying you and it's not even the kind of thing where you couldn't make it decent you could have you could have made it decent but you didn't so uh if you can avoid seeing this movie and you have children bravo so uh good <laughs> i hope you can um <laughs> there's no other reason to see it other than you're forced to by your family but uh like i said i if you're on an airplane look out the window right you'll be it'll be more <laughs> look out even, the window yeah, yeah. Nice even if birds. you're uh even if you're fans of the people in this movie it's you'll be like well i'm still a fan but that didn't really entertain me at all <laughs> right all right <laughs> so avoid angry birds
0: all right. Well, now do we want to? Uh,
2: we have a spare man.
0: We do have a spare man. Yes. This is uh Stephen Kramer G- Glickman.
2: Yes, and he's talking about a very special movie to him
0: called Plastic Galaxy. Plastic Galaxy. So here's Spare Men, you guys. Uh, thank you, of course, who you guys who talked to us in the last the live Spare Men that we did talking to Chris and I. We're going to do that again.
2: Yeah, that was fun. There were there were a couple uh, technical things here and there, but mm-hmm. they're working those out. So the next one will probably be a little smoother. Um, but you want to um use the SpareMint app because it's really fun if it's, it's a free app. It's a free app. And you know, you wanna especially for dating, if you don't want somebody to give you don't want to give me your phone number, mm-hmm. you wanna just kinda talk to somebody for five minutes. It's it's kinda like speed dating, but remotely yeah. <laughs> you could use it for. And um it's really fun to just to use it just for like, when you have like, oh, well, I only have five minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we found it was really fun to talk to fans for like it was five minutes. That was really fun. It was
0: great to hear your guys' mm-hmm. questions and everything. And we're and gonna, you guys called from all over the place. All over too. the place. And so we're going to post these on, on the Spareman app so you can listen mm-hmm. to these conversations. That's the other thing. And you get to choose um, if you want to, post these things or whatever so if you have conversations that you think are funny or informative and you want to put them out there you can so download the spareman app and you can keep
2: them private if you
0: want to yeah you can t- keep mm. everything private um so it's a way to talk to people without giving them out a- your phone number
2: yep so apple uh, it's in the apple store and the google play store so here is steven kramer glickman for spareman Stephen kramer glickman how are you i'm good how are you good this is our uh spareman uh section where we're going to be talking about a very special movie to you. What was it called? Plastic Universe, I believe.
3: Uh, no, Plastic Galaxy.
1: Damn, Damn I was so movie. close. Plastic it Universe so is close.
3: sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. If only. <laughs> if only. I think Plastic Universe is actually the, uh, the sequel to Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> a movie. Skeletor told us. He told us at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'll be back. Yeah. Um, Dolph and uh, I'm sure, would we'll be up for it. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure he would. Um, yeah, no, Plastic Galaxy is a phenomenal movie, and if you haven't seen it, you should. It is a documentary about the making of... Uh, the Star Wars action figures uh, from the in the 1980s and how, you know, how they uh, pre-sold the, the empty box. It has that whole great story. And and also it shows a lot of like the toys that never got made or sketches for toys that oh, cool. didn't get greenlit. because um, they didn't make enough know. originally. Like it was literally just boxes yeah exactly they they couldn't get it out in time uh for christmas and and so they released an empty box and and just you know hearing the hearing the stories about you know like From these guys, uh, you know, about how those toys were designed and, you know, what, you know, what they had to go on as far as, you know, film stills. And, uh, you know, there's certain characters, especially characters like in the original Cantina, that are so different looking than they were in the movie because uh, we barely see them. They only see them from maybe the shoulders up. So these guys had to decide, you know, are they wearing blue pants? How tall are they? How How short are they? What did that Hammerhead character's body look like? Exactly. Does he have a gun? Does he have a, a, you know, a lightsaber, you know, and like trying to figure all that stuff out. And, you know, I'm a huge, massive Star Wars fan and Star Wars toy fan. So, uh, seeing a movie like that was, uh, was very important to me. And I, I, uh, I loved it.
2: Oh, very cool. Now, is there a surprise ending?
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> lots of, <laughs> there's lots of interesting stuff. There's a lot of people talking about how, uh, you know, power the Power of the Force line of Star Wars toys, and there's, like, fans who like Power of the Force. I personally think Power of the Force is a bunch of garbage bullshit. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm much more of a fan of the original stuff. I had a guy the other day at uh, my favorite store, Blast from the Past. They were trying to uh, uh, tell me about... Um, you know, oh, you know, Power of the Force isn't that bad. I was like, no, no, it's bad, it's bad. I don't want them. <laughs> I like the original guys. I want, I want the original guys. I don't yeah, want stand them. your ground, Stephen. Yeah, I stand my ground constantly. <laughs> um, you know, and then, uh, you know, if you, if you get a chance to, and I, I know that you probably have seen this movie, but um, I just got to watch the movie Remote Control. Have you seen that film? No, I haven't. Oh, God, Kevin Dillon is in this movie, and uh, it's an old movie from the 80s, uh, really horrendous bad movie. You know how much I love bad movies? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I watched it, and it's uh, it's about, uh, like, aliens trying to take over the world, and Kevin Dillon yells, uh, uh, this is our Earth, get the fuck away from it, or something <laughs> stupid shakes his hand, <laughs> shakes his fist at the sky. It's just the worst. Thing ever, and it's hilarious. You gotta watch it. That's great.
2: Oh, well, thank yeah. you so much for uh, helping us out with the spare men, and we, of will, we will see you again
3: soon on a special themed episode. Can't wait. Sounds like a good time. Thanks. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye that was great yes always i going to check great. out that movie now yeah, always great having him on the show <laughs> and we have a yeah he'll be in an upcoming episode we did a themed episode that'll probably come out in july about uh fantasy films
2: i i honestly i think it was one of my favorite episodes yeah but was, you guys uh, got to really nerd out on yeah that. we totally did we're 80s fantasy movies talking about labyrinth and crawl <laughs> it was so much fun
0: all right let's talk about these trailers yes so we all just watched uh, The Space Between Us.
2: Oh my God, I loved this trailer. It w- entertained me from start to finish um, because it was like watching an entirely awful film yeah. in three minutes. it was great. But now I feel like I've wasted an hour and a half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're still so mad. I'm still mad. <laughs> an hour and a half wasted. Yeah. Even I, I,
2: I'm, I'm impressed with the technology, how you could make me feel that way by watching a trailer. And I feel like I've wasted an hour and a half by watching your film. Jamie, what did you think of that trailer?
1: I think it's it's Martian meets Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, the whole thing, it was just, uh, this is Martian, this is Martian, Martian, Martian. Right. Oh, and then he comes, yeah. Um,
2: and it shows the entire film in the trailer.
1: Yeah, you definitely get the entire plot. Mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be some pretty fun special effect moments.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when he gets lost in space. <laughs> that in particular.
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know. I know. You watched the trailer. Exactly. That's the reaction. Yeah. It was the space
2: between us. So uh, a kid gets born on Mars and then he's raised on Mars. Then he comes back to Earth and just doesn't know anything because he's never been there. And then the thing that he should be concentrating on clearly and what the movie will concentrating on is his dating. <laughs> yeah. And, met a girl. Uh, and I'm watching the trailer thinking like, well, there's going to be a complication. Like uh, if he's lived on Mars, there's going to be a problem with the gravity. Sure enough, yeah. a couple seconds later, oh, this, his body can't handle the gravity here.
1: Also, he's not familiar with horses. No, he's <laughs> not weird. familiar with horses. Because, you know, it, he's still been given a full education. I'm sure yes. they have Wikipedia and yeah. the internet. Obviously, he's raised... So the You'll see this when you guys watch the trailer. It's online,
0: obviously. So Gary Oldman is some crazy scientist, some sort of mm-hmm. uh, Elon Musk type yes. guy that's like, I've got the technology, to sh- we're going to live on Mars for real, you know? <laughs> yeah um so suit up you blokes or whatever and he says get up in a rocket ship and build a, a proper pub on mars or whatever he says so that's intriguing um oh wow this is cool living on mars again like you say it's oh martian mm-hmm. and the kid's born and he's like i've been raised by a scientist and you're like well that's interesting but then it's just the teen uh, you know how do we find love yeah then you know, he comes
2: home and he's like well that's the only one he knows he's like he goes mm, to the you know this this girl
0: <laughs> thank you for teaching me how to be a, a human yeah or living yeah. on earth thank you for teaching me about yeah, so, earth. where are you from mars and it's
2: like no just because uh, what was my favorite line is just because it sounds crazy doesn't mean it's not true
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's boring though
2: yeah yeah well um good luck with that film um the space between us
0: Watch the trailer, guys. Enjoy. Yeah,
2: it. yeah. And I think it <laughs> well, will what your yeah. thoughts
0: are.
2: <laughs> be a great uh, counter-programming for summer movies. You know what's a great counter-programming for summer movies? Not seeing this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah counter-programming. Uh, just not, don't go to this yeah. one. Uh,
2: and the next one is Finding Dory. Now, I will say I love Finding Nemo. It's probably up there with one of my favorite Pixar movies. Uh, I'm watching the trailer and I'm thinking, well, this just kind of feels like the same movie again to me, just with the, a different character. Um, it does look beautiful. You could see even the difference between technology, between Finding Nemo and now, like it's right. even more detailed. The animation is more fluid. It's, you know, Pixar, what I love about them is they keep raising their own game, like everything from storytelling to technology. And they, you know, they never sit still, which is really cool. Uh, I'm just a little worried that this looks kind of like a rehash of like the first, I mean, well, now he's, she's looking for her parents. And I, I don't know. Uh I I'm still going to see it. I'm still interested in seeing it, but I'm not sure if it was a necessary sequel.
0: Yeah. I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I you know, Finding Nemo came out in 2003, so so it almost just feels like kind of a rehash a little bit. And I love Finding Nemo.
1: Was Nemo yeah. in the trailer?
0: Yeah, he's Nemo, briefly in the trailer. Mm-hmm albert brooks is pretty i'm gonna be honest i yeah. didn't
1: see that i didn't see funny nemo
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so i mean this seems exactly like what i would expect funny nemo would be yeah it well
2: you're not it, wrong
0: it's <laughs> well that tells you yeah the fact that he hasn't seen mm-hmm. either one of these movies and he feels like it's the same thing <laughs> yeah but i did agree it looked
1: very pretty yeah,
2: yeah. it looked it looked beautiful for sure yeah um okay so now let's talk about uh now jamie we wanted to talk briefly about this that uh we were talking earlier that you're like you really love movies but you're more of a casual movie lover like i was saying like what genres do you like and you're like well i like this like this like so explain to me how you enjoy your film
1: i i've I've always loved movies i mean who doesn't Mm -hmm. love movies i've watched them forever i think i'm more into them now than i have been in the past but I was even like, when we were talking about X-Men, I was just imagining a couple of my friends um, who just, the idea of me being on a film podcast, would they'd be cracking up. Like, what is Jamie going to say about X-Men? <laughs> definitely never seen X-Men. Um, Star Wars, like, I didn't see, I mean, I grew up, I was like four years old when, or I was like a year old when it came out. But um, growing up, it was a huge thing. And I'd play with the action figures and because they were around, but I didn't love it. I liked Care Bears. Uh, <laughs> i was into um a little bit of transformers but just never i was never a star wars guy and like just so when i got to college and people become obsessed with films and and you're making all your friends and they just it boggled their mind that i didn't know about you know if there was a film that you were supposed to have seen i probably hadn't seen it mm-hmm. so but I, I like it a lot more now like i'm definitely getting into um you know more filmmaking. i mean i love uh, paul thomas anderson i think uh I think uh, There Will Be Blood might be one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. But also Three Amigos. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone else in the world that the Three Amigos and There Will Be Blood are <laughs> all <laughs> time <shirtless>. and favorite.
0: <laughs> don't feel ashamed about Three Amigos. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me ask you this. So what do you think, because it's funny you say that, because that, I was thinking the same thing like, wow. About Three Amigos? It's amazing. <laughs> why why are, they, why are they not making do more of this? But um, is the... You know usually it's high school and in and, and college is when you sort of start your movie going life, and since that didn't happen for you, what was it that got you sort of later to where you then would like Paul Thomas Anderson and you'd like stuff like
1: I don't know when when that happened um I mean, I did love movies in high school. I remember like being obsessed with Forrest Gump and seeing that it was like mm-hmm. the first movie. Other than Ferris Bueller, um, that was like I went to see in the theater like three or four times. Like I was like, "Gump, baby," which now I don't know if it holds up. Like, what what do you guys think of Forrest Gump?
0: I still like it. I mean, I sort of like it's I remember when it came out, a friend was like, "Oh, it's just so Hollywood," and I was like, "This to me is all of the good things of a big Hollywood feel good story." Mm-hmm. You know, I I did like. You know, it was this sort of guy literally running through history, and you get to see all these Mm. big historical moments. I liked it, and I think it still sort of holds up, and I love... I I think so, too. too. I
2: I think it holds up, um, you know, obviously not completely, but it also does. It was also one of those movies where we hadn't quite seen it before. Like, you know, it had some... Also, for the time, some groundbreaking special effects mm-hmm. in it, you know, just um, erasing uh, Gary Sinise's legs, like things oh, like right. that. Well,
0: yeah, having like... him shake the president's
1: hand. and mm. Which I think that holds up the least. Right. That was weird. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> now you can see,
0: oh boy, that. But at you can the see time, the seams. You can yeah. see the <laughs> seams. But you're right. At the time, we had never seen that. So it was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's running in the middle of an Alabama football game. Like, this mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, so was it just so when do you what motivates you other than having to be on this podcast what motivates you <laughs> to like oh i want to go see this movie or that movie or
1: that's a good question i, I think um, i just interesting stories like anyone else um I, I think authenticity um i'm trying to think of one good example of why i would say that word just now but um mm-hmm. just real stories real people um And, I mean, my favorite word is is enchantment and magic. I think, you know, things that are Mm -hmm. big spectacles that take you to a different time. I mean, I love There Will Be Blood so much because it's like, this is like, he's, how did he recreate? I I mean, I guess you can say that about any movie. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I guess in Willy Wonka, I mean, was like the first Mm -hmm. movie that you could see as a kid that I'm like, yes.
0: Well, that's a, yeah, that's a good example because you're right. There Will Be Blood, you really felt like you were there living in that era And what these people had to do to survive and how those literally those oil barons were not like negotiators so much. Mm -hmm. They were like, I'm going to just take your shit. I'm not going to figure out how to get this, you know, and what, how you had to be successful in that time. You had to
1: just fucking be ruthless. Um, But I mean, even that was the first movie I appreciated, like, you know, costumes and just mm -hmm. like the level of detail. And the Revenant was the, the most recent movie that I I, I love that movie and just just the level of historical I wanna say accuracy I don't know if it's actually accurate but I mean just like the level of detail and, and research they've done to like take you to this very specific time right. well,
0: yeah that movie the Revenant. and location
2: oh yeah too yeah, yeah. like if you did all the costuming and uh, you know put it, uses a lot of graphics but then shot on the sound stage. Right. It would have ruined it. Mm-hmm. it. You would nobody would have cared. So, but the fact that you did everything is amazing. Yeah, it's all
0: yeah. those aspects. It's like mm-hmm. you say, you could have gone on Could have done the opposite, gone on mm-hmm. really good location, and just sort of had cliche costuming.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: this is what those guys from that era looked like, mm-hmm. based on Hollywood's view of it, mm-hmm. and you, it would have stood out. It wouldn't have been cool. Versus, and then what he did again, going back to, um. Forrest Gump there was some technological stuff that that uh, the director of the revenant did in terms of where he put the cameras and you know cameras are so light and small now like I said for that film I felt like you know they had a the time machine the Time machine yeah. and they went back and put GoPros on a bunch of crazy mm-hmm. trappers like that was another thing that brought you into that world where you I really feel like I'm it's authentic
1: yeah
0: yeah well, then we, we figured
1: it out <laughs> I was really struggling there for a minute I was like oh, how am I going to get out of this authenticity <laughs> but thank you Graham so. and I did I was, I was going to mention too I, there's a great documentary and I think I've watched 8 of the 10 episodes on Netflix I think it's called The History of Film but it's, the fir- it's not coming from a Hollywood perspective and they certainly get into Hollywood of course but it it's, uh, comes from a, let's survey the world's mm. film history mm. from you know, um, you know, the beginning of film right, and so it takes you through from the perspective of what's happening in you know in Asia in you know the nineteen thirties mm-hmm. and forties like and it really gives that perspective always coming back to Hollywood and almost an indictment of Hollywood in a lot of ways and but you know but then also celebrating it when it needs to be celebrated and mm. so I recommend that because in, I, watching that last year um definitely just I think anyone needs to see that to appreciate really what filmmaking is and what it has the capacity to be, yeah. All
0: right. Yeah, that's true. We're so skewed by the Hollywood machine machine that we don't realize that there's a whole planet of people telling that are making movies. Yeah, (laughs) making amazing movies and stories that we might not ever see. Mm. It's the thing I do love when I travel, especially the times I've been into Asia and and like fans have taken me or whatever. I've seen movies from or and that you know we're going to probably see next week in San Francisco. Oh, definitely because it's a Doc Festival, so they've got a lot of international films Mm -hmm. and Docs are always sort of covering some weird aspect of human mm-hmm. life or some subculture or whatever.
2: Yep. So what you could do is you could watch a documentary that makes you angry, then come to ours and you know
0: start laughing. Laughs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um
2: so now on DVD and Blu-ray, Gods of Egypt.
0: Yeah speaking of that Hollywood problem we are yeah. just talking yeah, about. There's a there's think? a fair
2: amount of them here. Uh race. Now you saw
0: this. I, I saw this. This is the um the Jesse Owens story. Uh jesse owens has a very compelling and interesting story this movie that i saw it and it very fell into this sort of historical drama cliches Mm -hmm. you know like there's this guy and the the, the, doesn't want him and you know like it's Mm -hmm. it's just sort of but there is some interesting stuff in there um this young guy playing jesse owens does a decent job but i i'm like oh i see why they didn't try to make this an oscar movie Mm -hmm. this movie didn't get snubbed it just wasn't that great (laughs) <laughs> but it's okay it's a it's, a, it's a DVD it's watch on a plane film mm-hmm. uh, Triple Nine oh I kept, I heard I heard this we had someone on the show that yeah, was interesting like, yeah, I heard several people say this movie was interesting but mm-hmm. I just sort of slipped through the cracks which means I hope it's,
2: Maybe it'll find a life on DVD and yeah, on demand.
0: On demand, I'd, I'd watch this on a plane.
2: And uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. I think we had a guest in here, and I think the the it made me laugh. The complaint was not enough zombies. So, mm. <laughs> too much Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, enough of the gowns <laughs> so,
0: and the bullshit. Let's get the zombies now, in there.
2: I did want to mention this. I, I rented like two old Woody Allen movies. I was curious to see how they would hold up, and also. Um, with all of the accusations and everything that's going on with Woody Allen, it, it's absolutely fascinating to see these older films with Manhattan and Hannah and her sisters. How it, it was almost like, like I don't, I don't know, like, like it wasn't really telegraphing it, but it was kind of like leaving hints of like his behavior. Uh, like in Manhattan, you know, he's dating a seventeen-year-old, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know uh it's 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 black and white and it, it's and then in Manhattan, and her sisters he's a tv producer and they're talking about getting a sketch on the air about child molestation so you're you're looking at these weird things like with these weird contemporary glasses and like his old work i'm like oh my god like it's it's almost like there were signposts with you know with what he would end up because <laughs> i watched
1: being... manhattan on netflix in the last six months I have never seen it but him dating the 17-year-old that was just supposed to be so outlandish or was right. it just a time in the 80s where that was okay when it or came 70s?
2: out yeah it was it wasn't something that was like you know so like i i guess it was something that was like well this is kind of like a fantasy type move and this wouldn't really have or whatever like you wouldn't actually see you didn't expect to see woody allen with an actual 17 year old you know outside of the film right. uh but um the, not exactly what happened so it, it's the thing about Hen and her sisters is there was actually a little trivia here uh four of her, um mia farrow's children appear in the film including Soon Yi. Uh, Michael Caine plays Faro's husband. He actually introduced Woody Allen and Mi- Mia Faro in real life, and it's Louis Black's film debut. Oh. Um, but the thing I found interesting about watching this is it makes you very uncomfortable watching this, knowing what Woody Allen then did and with the. You know, I, we won't get into like the accusations and what's going on with the. You know, the the kids because it's it's sad and it's tragic. And um, the thing about him with Woody Allen films too is. These are good films. These are really good films. You look at a movie like *Hannah and Her Sisters* and the way they're crafted. They were such anti-Hollywood films. Like, there's literally very little stakes. It's always it's a relationship is the biggest thing that's ever at stake in these in these films. And they're character pieces. And they're they're like, well, like you know, I don't want to see all the big budget Hollywood stuff. And you would always go to a Woody Allen film to get you know real life character drama and. Um, it doesn't change the fact that these are well crafted movies, but it makes from very uncomfortable viewing knowing what we know now about um, his future
0: relationships. <laughs>
2: so all it, it's of his weird kids
0: coming out. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's
2: really it's, weird and uh, hard to watch. And it's also the way the fact that it parallels what's going on in real life that is many years ago. It's weird. It's, it's weird to watch.
0: Yeah. I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm not going to see his next movie, whatever yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, he's still making them. You know, I, yeah. I, I haven't seen one, I think, uh, I'm trying to think the last one I saw. Um, Blue Jasmine was probably the last Woody Allen movie I saw, which, again, I really liked. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so the site spotlight, fan feedback, X-Men Apocalypse review by Lara
0: House. Hey, Laura
2: And House. Uh, one of her favorite things about it, you can read in the review, uh, the 80s references. <laughs> So and Neil reporting some interesting things about sequels and of course Johnny Depp and the um, uh, the disintegration of that relationship mm. and the revelation of drug and alcohol abuse. That's you know that's very surprising. Wow. I know that he was. Um,
0: she's claiming he was an abusive dick and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's like wow. God, remember when we all used to love Johnny Depp?
2: Like couldn't wait for him to do another movie and like oh my god he's the coolest person ever.
0: What happened? What Lone, happened? Lone Ranger. Yeah, Lone Ranger, yeah. either, either the drugs and being a dick is why Lone Ranger's horrible, or Lone Ranger made him a drug addict dick.
2: <laughs>
0: it's what made me
1: a, a yeah. drug addict dick.
2: <laughs> Some kind of uh, cause and effect. Um, now, premiering this week, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows.
0: Oh, stay back in.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this the kids want to see this, and the first one was barely watchable <laughs> but uh y- you know i don't maybe you know it's funny to say it's like maybe they learned some lessons from the first one and maybe this one will be better mm, i don't think it matters <laughs> i don't think it does it's uh uh and the next one is pop star never stop stopping. oh no pop star sorry never stop never stopping this is a a comedic uh take on the world of pop stars Annie and samberg she, yeah plays like a pop dude i don't know oh, like
0: what do you think of this you know like justin I, bieber
2: type
1: i think kind they're of funny yeah and yeah. i think apatow's funny like so I, I
2: the trailer's okay it could be funny you know i'm, I'm not sure i'm kind of like on the fence about it uh because the trailer kind of made me laugh and the trailer also
1: went like oh really did you guys like hot rod i never saw hot I never rod, saw hot rod. Mm-hmm. i highly recommend it really rod, i think it's okay. underrated as a comedy all uh-huh. right i laughed right. a lot watching it but then yeah. again three amigos is <laughs> short <list> of- <laughs> so okay and that's it that's all that's coming out that's our show that's uh that's it
0: 323 put it in the books
1: what about this final uh little point here
2: oh that that's the iphone Droid extra that you will be doing on your
1: own after the show that's oh okay great. got it i thought oh, i was man. like i don't even know what this is.
2: yeah that's for all the people who own the app i don't even think we've mentioned that in a while if you do get the cfn app uh-huh. uh it's a dollar 99 i think in the store yeah. or is it two nine i don't even remember dollar 99 and uh um you can get it on droid on the amazon store but also in the itunes store and what you do is you get it you can get access to all the back catalogs you also get um most of the shows have premium content where you get the guests talking about a movie or or some story that they didn't say on the regular episode
0: yeah and then you get a list you get a pdf of all of the sh- movies we talked about in that episode and a brief yes. little like oh Chris didn't like it, Graham did, whatever, right. blah, blah, blah.
2: And I think when all's said and done, we
0: get like 20 cents an app. So nice. definitely check it out. Yeah, Buy it. To, <laughs> throw in a couple pennies into yeah. our fountain. Um, so that's our show. Jamie Flam, where can Thank people you. find you on the World Wide Web and any shows yeah. you
1: got coming up? Uh, Jamieflam.com, at Jamie Flamm Twitter. Gatekeeper podcast, the Longshot podcast, uh, the Hollywood Improv for shows. And Van Jam That's a fun show. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite show. But uh, Vanessa Ragland's my writing partner, and that's every Friday night at the the lab. We have a full band. We get to be characters, and um, it's our happy place in the world, and we want to make it a happy place for everybody else. What time
0: of the is that show usually? 10 10 o'clock every Friday. Every Friday, 10 o'clock? Well, that's good to know. That's
2: one less show you have to book every week. Right. Yeah, (laughs) you know it's a 10 o'clock slot. It's taken care of. (laughs) It is.
1: You guys both got to come do it. Yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Love it. Mm-hmm. I love Van
0: Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, of course, uh, guys, go to uh, lapodfest.com. We just added Who Charted. Yes. It's now going to be in the show. Uh, in and the, the Long Shot. And The Long Shot. So, mm-hmm. those two podcasts, um, we're updating the the LA Podfest um, all the time. Whenever we add a new show, you'll see their logo on the homepage. You can see right now there's probably close to 20 shows that we've already got confirmed. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Working on more right now.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, come out to see uh, Longshot. Come to the Improv tomorrow night, June 1st. I will be doing another variety palooza. That's a 10 p.m. show. That's going to have uh, Ali Wong, um, Marilyn Rice Cub. Great. Uh, Paul Goebel is going to be doing his King of TV, where he answers TV trivia questions Love and that. then sings. Oh, that's always fun. He hasn't done this in a long time. He's going to sing theme songs? He's going to sing TV oh. theme songs, which is amazing. Paul's a great singer. He's yeah. like a lounge act. Um, I believe we've got... Did we get Brothers? They confirmed yet? Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. All right. I don't remember. But also Steve Gillespie, who um, is a comic that I've known for a long. He's open for me. He was just on Conan. Jamie, that's a guy for you to check out. He's a, he's a yep. good young comic. Um, and then maybe one or two other acts. So come by the lab uh, tomorrow night. And then, of course... Um, San Francisco Documentary Festival June 4th and 7th. Come see Earbuds. Yes. Fully finished, color corrected, mm-hmm. sound mix, beautiful version on mm-hmm. the big screen. Mm-hmm. Congrats, guys. It'll be thank you. It'll be the biggest screen we've ever seen it on.
2: Yes, very true.
0: Um, so that is really cool at the Roxy Theater in San Francisco. And then of course, you know, follow us on all the social medias at Comedy Film Nerds, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, like us. We talk about this every episode, but those, those are great little free ways to support the show. We know we tell you guys spend 20 bucks a year with us and that Mm -hmm. keeps us afloat. Uh, If everyone who listened to the show did that, we would actually have a staff and an office. (laughs) (laughs) So we appreciate those of you who do and those of you who haven't. If you got the money to, kick in
2: yeah that's great but if you don't like graham's saying there's plenty of other ways to um to contribute you know a good review on itunes social media all that stuff helps look yeah. you know we we get emails hey i wish i could give more i don't you know i'm in a tough financial spot right now those free things really help yeah, yeah they really do so all the
0: twitter followers mm-hmm. instagram followers likes those numbers mean something now they right. really they're very valuable so and itunes helps your ranking based on how many positive reviews you get in addition to the download. Yeah,
2: and even if, you know, you're never on Twitter, you just follow us and then you never look at the feed. That's
0: fine. Totally. We just need the big numbers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, if you are are active on social media and you post to your followers on your social media, hey, listen to this podcast, it's really cool, Mm -hmm. we appreciate that. So always to help the show out. Yes,
2: and you guys did that with the Kickstarter, too, and I really appreciate it. you guys that. have
0: been so fucking yeah. awesome. So, uh, all right, that is our program, CFN episode 323, three. lock it down. And be on the lookout for an X-Men spoiler app. Oh, X-Men mm-hmm. spoiler Coming ep. up. Coming up. Uh, thank you once again to our guest, Jamie Flam. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood.
2: And I'm Chris Mancini. You know, it's always, remember... Han shot first. First, Because he didn't have a staff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He had an intern shoot for him.